Well, it's really good to be here with you this morning. My name is Roy. I serve as a corporate chaplain in uh, the North County area. I've been a chaplain and minister for about 15 years or so, um, and I cut my teeth, so to speak, in the marketplace as a minister. So I do most of my pastoral work uh, with employees, providing spiritual care, uh, well-being, and some leadership coaching to uh, clients in the North Count. Well, I guess all of San Diego now. We have a number of clients now, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, and um, I'm a current uh student at Fuller as well, where I'm working on my uh, doctorate. So I think I'm going to beat Jason to it. Um, but Jason's a fast reader, so he actually might, uh, he still might win. Um, so really grateful to be here with you guys today. We are on a sermon series called Conversations with Jesus, where we're exploring uh, uh, different passages in the Gospels where Jesus is having conversations with uh, different uh, folks. And so I picked um, Mark 10, and it's one of my favorite passages. I want to read the passage um, and then uh, share a little bit about what we're going to talk about. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a traditional Pentecostal. And so we're going to, uh, I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to ask the people of God to pray. Is that okay? Amen. All right. So here's the passage. This is uh, uh, Mark 10, 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him <laughs> and told him to be quiet. Uh, it, it's interesting to note that the people who were doing that were uh, probably the in-crowd people, okay? But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Here's a blind man taking off his cloak, getting on his feet, and somehow, someway, finding his way to Jesus, to the one who stopped, to the one who says, call him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received sight and follow Jesus along the road. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here today. We acknowledge, Father, that as we come together to worship you, to remember your body, your blood, to remember that we're a spiritual community, 
that are called to follow you and to love one another. We ask, Holy Spirit, that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear how you're drawing near to us today. Asking us, what do you want me to do for you? May you speak, may you guide, may you lead, may you heal, may you comfort. In your name we pray, amen. So the, the main theme of the sermon, I'm going to give it to you up front, okay, is that the gospel takes into consideration our deepest longings and our needs. In conversation with Christ, we are met with a Christ figure who is deeply curious and offers holy presence that dignifies what we most need and want, especially to those individuals who have been marginalized, traumatized, or wounded. I'm going to venture to say that all of us in here are going to meet one of those categories, right? You've either been wounded, you've either been traumatized, or you may have been marginalized in some capacity or shape or form. And some of us all three. <laughs> you don't get a star if it's all three, okay? <laughs> I would be one of those, but it's okay. All right, so here's what I want to do. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm struck by the question that Jesus asks. And what I'd like to do is I'd like you to break up since we're in community dialogue and we're having conversations with Christ, we're going to have conversations with each other, okay? So if you feel comfortable, what I'd like you to do is break up into maybe uh, uh, groups of three or four if you're comfortable. If you're not, you can. Uh, there's a journal in front of you that maybe you can journal your thoughts or on your phone. But here's the question, okay? Jesus approaches you. And then asks you, what do you want me to do for you? What emotions and thoughts come up for you as you're being asked that? What's your initial response to the question? Yeah, there it is. What emotions and thoughts come up for you as you're being asked this question? Okay, What's, what might be that initial feeling or response like what's going on here okay so if you can break up into twos threes whatever's convenient around you and i'll give you a couple of minutes to share okay it is i'd love to hear from a couple of folks uh what what, what would be your initial response what what are you experiencing what are you feeling Complications like not everybody dies, and the monkeys popper, and, and the world peace. You just want the world peace. Not an Armageddon type of world peace, right, but like a holistic. Are, but I have to keep I have to keep qualifications on it because I just don't quite trust that the world peace arrangement is going to be as actually world peace. Yeah, real shalom, right? Right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Who else? Well, what we came up with was the fact that um, Oh, we're going to hand you a mic, actually. My apologies. Thanks, Alex. In the contemporary world, people just don't come in off the street and say, well, here's what I'm going to do for you. So we would have to qualify that it's Jesus. Mm -mm. And then after that, and we, we got the light, I would essentially 
And of course, that's after we've gone to like the uh, to to prove that it wasn't a quote scam unquote. Yeah. We would then go and I would we would ask the Lord to just show us the path to get there. And when I say get there, I'm talking about heaven. And then not being totally selfish, we would ask him also to help bring the people that we love along with us up to, you know, to the right yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you have to qualify who's asking the question. Yeah. And I'm using that in kind of a humorous, satirical way. But, you know, basically, yeah. you know, I was, yeah. you know, it, yeah, you got to know the source. Yeah. But. Yeah, I would love to have him come up and do that because it would, you know, I have a, a disease that's bad and I'd love to get that cured also. So uh, anyway, that's yeah. where we were. Thank you so much for sharing that. Who else? And we're going to take the mic to you. One or two more people. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> yeah, what we came up with. You're good. You're what good. we came up with was... Uh, uh, Anxiety and hate replaced with love. Ah, anxiety and hate yep. replaced with love. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? One more? Going once? Oh, yes, Kenny. So it's kind of funny, like the initial response, you know, when someone asks you, um, what what do you want me to do for you is, uh, oh, no, I'm fine. I got this. Mm. And um, so there was a few of us that kind of related to that. And then after my initial response, my second response would be like, I really just want to be whole and authentic. Mm. Um, you know, like freedom from trauma and like that past worry um, just to be healed. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the emotions would be just like that. That at first shock, just be like. Me? Really? Oh, that's yeah. Good. And then, and then like that overwhelming feeling of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that first feeling of like, uh, oh, I'm good. You know, no, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> right. How many of you would have that response? Like, I'm good. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and then, and then that, and then that really dropping in, right. And saying, well, what I really want is healing and wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for engaging in that, uh, uh, conversation. Um, this is one of my favorite stories because uh, it reminds me of my spiritual direction professor. Her name was Sister Barbara Quinn. She was part of the Sacred Heart Order, and uh, I studied uh, spiritual direction under her direction in uh, at UC, uh, USD. And we were mostly trained in what's called Ignatian spirituality and direction because it is primarily rooted in trying to discern uh, how God is guiding and leading you based off of the holy longings and desires that God has placed in all of us. And so she would constantly be saying to us, as you're meeting with people and you're offering direction, where do you notice the longings? Where do you notice the desires welling up? That's what you want to pay attention to. And that was very new for me because in my Pentecostal charismatic upbringing, it was bad to go to the movies. It was bad to go dancing. It was bad to listen to secular music. Uh, it, was, it was bad, 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 bad. The world is bad, bad, bad. Uh, any kind of desire, bad, right? Any kind of longing, bad, right? Oh, temptations creeping at the door, bad, right? And so there was this connection with desires being, oh, don't, you know, don't, don't mess with that, right? That's, that's, uh, that's fire. You don't want to touch that. 
And so here's Sister Barbara Quinn saying, wait a minute, you know, here we have Jesus asking somebody, what do you want? Right? We have the psalmist saying, delight in the Lord. And he's going to give you the desires of your heart, right? You have this whole reframing of saying, no, like God has placed goodness, longings, wants, desires in us. It's what gives us fire. It's what gives us passion. It's what gives us energy. You know, can you imagine Joey not singing? Like, can we imagine Joey not having that gift and that longing and that desire and saying, Joey, don't do that. You know, we, we, would, we would quench the fire in him. Sorry to put you on the spot, Joey, but it's very evident that he's got a passion and a calling and a deep desire to lead us in music. And so my, my professor would say uh, th- that God, too, is in the business of shaping our holy longings. So we talk many times about this passage and saying, what do you want? And then... Uh, 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 Coincident, well, not coincidentally, uh, my, my professors would also say, Roy, when you're offering chaplaincy care, spiritual care, pastoral care and counseling to people, ultimately what you want to get them to is to ask them in this circumstance that you're in, in this scenario that you're in, what is it that you want? What is it that you want to see? What is it? What, what kind of outcome do you want in this situation? Right. It's a very powerful question that we, we as chaplains are asking people as we're caring for them, because ultimately we want to know from them what, what, it, what is it that you want? What is it that you're going through? And, and then what is it that you'd like to see on the other side of this? And then caring for them to take some ownership and responsibility, resourcing, equipping, encouraging them so that they can take the steps forward to uh, hopefully uh, have those outcomes. And so uh, my, my friend Jeff, who I think some of you met, Jeff Thomas, he took a, a group of, how many went on the kayak trip? Yeah. It was 12. Wow. Like the disciples. Yeah. All right. Who was Judas? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, so my friend Jeff and I are constantly talking about uh, uh, spirituality and faith. And, and, and he says, Roy, in the Gospels, there's uh, uh, Jesus asks 187 questions. Uh, he answers maybe about eight of them. He asks himself 307 questions. And then my friend Jeff in his psychoanalytic brain says, maybe faith isn't about certainty, but being able to ask and sit in the complexity of good questions. So think about all the different responses that we, the complex responses that we got today with someone coming up to you and saying, hey, so what can I do for you? Right? First thing I'm thinking is, what's the catch? I'm going to be suspicious, you know, uh, but but it's compl- it's a complex question if we think about it. This blind beggar, whose name we don't even know, but only that he is identified as a son of somebody. He is the son of Timaeus, is crying out to another son, a beloved son. You got one son saying, have mercy on me and calling out to another son, son of David, which means the beloved one. It's what I named my son, David. I wanted him to know that he was constantly loved, right? So you have a beloved son that's listening out and you have the son of Timaeus, who's a blind beggar saying, have mercy on me. He's blind. He can't work. He can't fend for himself. 
as a justice-impacted individual. He's assumed a role that Judaism made concessions for. It's a form of social welfare program. You can put out your cloak and you can beg for what you need. Here's someone that's asking on a daily basis to the crowd, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I'm blind. I'm limited. I can't work like you can. Have mercy on me. But son of Timaeus has been hearing about Jesus and what he's been doing, healing people, proclaiming good news. And when you've experienced marginalization or trauma or woundedness, and you're looking for hope and change, he might not be able to see, but his ears are open. Who can help me? Who can attend to me? How can I overcome this? What son of Timaeus does is essentially turn his pain into prayer and petition. And that's really what this is. It's a prayer. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. In our faith tradition, we're encouraged to turn our anxieties, our fears, to name our diseases, our needs, our longings, into prayer requests. Son of Timaeus would have heard the Psalms read. He would have had, uh, uh, he would have heard the psalmist saying, hear me. He would have heard the Psalms being read to say, here's, here's my need, God. Come, help. Help me in my time. Be my refuge. Be my strength. Be my ever-present help in times of danger. And so what, as a chaplain, what I'm doing is when I'm listening to people and they're sharing their concerns with me and they have a spiritual background, I might say, so how can we turn that anxiety? How can we turn that fear into prayer? How might we be able to say, God, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to face this situation. God, I don't know what I'm going to do about this work situation. How do we turn our petitions into prayer, our needs into prayer? And this blind man is teaching us how to do that. Even when he's being silenced by disciples. <laughs> the biggest question Jesus is asking is, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Um, I've been reading a little bit about complex PTSD from the perspective of, uh, of domestic violence, alcoholism in the home, economic poverty, um, and, uh, and family systems. And these realities for many are crippling, blinding, traumatizing. There's something that happens um, when uh, you go through trauma, domestic violence, alcoholism, any kind of uh, fending that you have to do as a youngster, right? It's almost like your emotions get stunted. It's almost like your growth gets stunted and you can't go past this event. You're learning how to survive, right? So you got, you, you have what some are calling complex PTSD. Um, I, I'm not an expert in it. Uh, um, uh, but as I'm doing research, as I'm meeting with people, I'm hearing some folks say, Roy, how come I, how come it feels like I'm just constantly in survival mode? How come I can't feel like I'm thriving, like I'm whole, like I'm just in this surviving mode day by day? And so as a corporate chaplain, I'm working with a range of people. Uh, sometimes I'm working with someone who grew up uh, um, 
in, in different parts of, of North County that are more averse to, to uh, or more um, of a place where there's gang violence. And so they grew up in a home that's filled with uh, gang violence, uh, drugs, alcohol, domestic abuse, and violence. And they're trying to pick up the pieces in life as an adult now. And somehow in the middle of all of that, I'm having to ask them, so what, what is it that you most want and what is it that you most need? And to me, it's the most dignifying question that Jesus can ask us. It is the most dignifying question that Jesus can address to us to say, I see you. I hear you. No one else was really going to give this guy any attention. As a matter of fact, they told him to be quiet. And here Jesus stops and he sees something in this man and he says, call him. He says, call him. I also meet with people who are well-adjusted, but they struggle with perfectionism. They struggle with high anxiety because they have to have control of all of the outcomes. They might be managers, executives. They might be leaders in companies, and there's a sense of perfectionism. It has to be a certain way, a certain time, all the time. And they're crippled by their own anxieties. And in many ways, I'm still trying to ask them, so what is it that you truly want? And I remember I had one executive one day tell me, Roy, I built this company from the ground up. I had no money. I started borrowing. We started getting more work. It started to increase. And I just pushed, 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 pushed until we got to where we were today. I said, and I said, and? And he says, and I still feel like I'm trying to get my father's approval. And I still feel like it doesn't matter how much money I make or how much, how successful I am, I'm still trying to get my father's approval. He has his own form of woundedness that he's trying to offer up to Jesus to say, have mercy on me. I went to go visit um, uh, a nonprofit uh, recently that helps people who have been, I love how they said it, they actually call it people who have been justice impacted and who are, were formerly incarcerated. And what this nonprofit does is it helps to coach and train uh, uh, people who have been incarcerated uh, to uh, get back into the workforce. And so a lot of the staff that works there are actually formerly incarcerated. And so they've gone through the program. They're working there now. They're trying to help others to get on their feet. And so I said, well, well tell me the kind of jobs, you know, he, he was the job developer. And I said, well, what kind of businesses are you connecting with? What kind of jobs are people initially getting into? I said, is this, is this like a career path? Is this, and he says, Roy, he says, we, we have like an ABC plan. He says, and, and the first plan is, is just, sometimes it's just to get a job. It might not be a career, but we're thinking that a job is going to lead to a career as you work it. And so one of the job developer coaches was telling me, Roy, we have to, he says, I had to break a lot of this victim mentality that I had, but I also needed support from people 
to help me realize who I really am and what gifts and talents I really had. I also had to confront the own marginalization and violence that I grew up with, he says. So it was this whole mixture, right, of injustice, of the way he grew up, and now he's saying, I gotta take responsibility for this life of mine. I have to make amends with support, with care, with the tools. So he's not just being left alone. Someone, a group of people are, are carrying him, saying, come, come. How do we care for you? How do we help you? And so he'll periodically tell me that he'll be meeting with folks. And so if he hears a little bit of BS coming from people and they're making excuses, he just says, that's not flying with me today. Like, what is it that you really want? And I'm like, you're just preaching my sermon right now, man. <laughs> like, he, he's the one that's asking them, hey, time out. Th that's BS. What is it that you really want? And he's confronting them with love and care and then saying, well, we have resources for this. We have a network for this. And so we started talking about how some of us who are trying to go from surviving, right, to thriving, don't have that network, that connection point with folks that can say, hey, I can show you how to do that. Let me make some, let, let's talk, let's meet. Let, let's have some conversations together so we can help you get to where you want to go. And so they're helping them move from surviving to a thriving mentality. And I think that's what's happening with the gospel here, passage here today. You have Jesus that says to this blind beggar, what is it that you want? And the guy says, I know what I've wanted my whole life. I want to see. I want to see. You had the disciples that were with Jesus for three years. And when Jesus is asking them what they want, they want the right, the, the, the right hand of, of God's status. They want power. They want authority. And here's a blind beggar that's putting them to shame and saying, time out. Really what we want is we want to see clearly. And the end result is that Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. And the guy gets up and what does he do? He starts following Jesus. He's met by Jesus. He calls out to Jesus and he says, now I'm going to follow Jesus. Because someone took the time to dignify him. All right, for those who like the three points, here they are really quick. Number one, Christ's conversations are dignifying and lead to more questions of inquiry. I wish so many times that when someone was sharing something with me, instead of me going into, well, you know what you should do, right? Or here's what I did. I wish I would just say, tell me more about that. So, so what is it that you... So what is it? Tell me again what it is that you want. To slow down a little, to stop and to slow down a bit and actually dignify the person that's in front of us with more questions instead of the, well, here's what I did. Here's what worked for me. Here's what you should do. No, what we need are spaces for people to ask us questions, to stop, be curious, slow down and say, tell me more. Tell me more about that. Number two, to thrive, we must be asked what we want. We must have spaces where we can explore our desires and longings. Who's asking you what you want? 
And then who are you asking and making space for to say, so what is it that you want? What's going on today? But to thrive, we have to have people that are asking us that. Number three, to thrive, we must have spaces where our pain points, our justice-impacted marginalization, trauma, woundedness, perfectionism can be seen and attended to. We need spiritual communities like Oceanside Sanctuary, where we're creating space for one another to say, I see your pain. I see your woundedness. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's such a gift to be able to sit with folks as a chaplain and be able to say, I see you. I had someone who lost their mother figure recently and he uh, uh, grew up um, in the South, uh, grew up with a mom who was um, a drug addict, so mom wasn't present, and he, he's the one that had to go out and beg for food. And when his mother figure, his grandma, passed away recently, it left a big breaking gap in his heart. And so I'm in his office one day, and this is a high-performing uh, uh, leader, and I'm sitting in his office, and he's telling me about what's going on. And it's like the movies where everything slows down, and you, like, you can see like the fuzz in the air, right? The lighting, it's like the whole room changed. And I leaned into him, and I got close to him, and I said, I see you. I just looked him dead straight in the eye and I said, I see you and I'm really sorry. This executive in his beautiful executive office just starts bawling, has to turn away so none of his employees can see him. He, I get up, I give him a big old hug, he hugs me back. It was just eye to eye contact. It was eye-to-eye presence and just saying, I, I see you, I hear you, and I'm really sorry. I'm wondering today if we can be the kind of community that hears from Jesus asking you and I today, what do you want? I see you. I hear you. I see you. And then in turn, how we can be that to other people today. And as the band gets ready to... Uh, do our closing song. Here's my, here's my invitation to us today. I'm wondering if we, we can just take a moment right now to listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. What might your deep longing and deep need be today? And I'm wondering if we can just take a moment right now, if it's comfortable for you to close your eyes. Jesus is asking you today, daughter of God, 
child of God. I see you. What do you want me to do for you? And you pay attention to what's coming up inside of you. You just slow down for a minute and just be present to that longing and to that need. for healing today. Maybe you're struggling with a purpose in this season of your life. Maybe the need is a, 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 new, a new goal, a new dream. Could you offer that to prayer to God right now? Would you hear our prayers right now? Our spoken and our unspoken ones. We offer you our longings, our needs, our desires. We want to see. In Jesus' name. seated. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, everyone who shared their hearts today with each other and your community dialogues as well. I'm just here to tell you about a couple ways you can get involved if you like what's happening here. The first is we have these amazing dinner and dialogue groups that have just started up. So essentially what you did today with each other, talking to each other and stuff like that, this is what you can do at these dinner and dialogue groups. They're just a great way to come together with people around you in your area. Most of them actually start this week. So you haven't missed too much yet. We have groups from Monday uh, through Friday and Sunday. So basically six days a week if you want to get to know someone a little more. That's a really great way to do that. Next we have our book club. This is our monthly book club. Our next book is How to Have an Enemy, Righteous Anger and the Work of Peace. This is a really great book. I know we've been talking a lot about this idea of loving your enemy. What does that actually look like? How can we actually do that? So this book is a great way to discover new strategies and theology all around that. And lastly, we have a really fun little party coming up after church. Our 147th anniversary. We're going to be 147 years old. Yeah, let's get a little applause for that. <laughs> so that means what? We started in 1875. I didn't actually do the math in my head. I already knew that, but I made it look like I did. <laughs> but yeah, we started in 1875. Eventually, we moved into this building in 1926. The building you're sitting in today, the congregation actually built these pews, everything. I mean, obviously we've renovated, but this is just a fun way. We're just going to have cake, get to know each other after church, low key, but a great way to get to know each other and, you know, celebrate our legacy and our future to come. 
Lastly, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to give, you can do that online. There's some boxes at the entrance there as well. And we would love your support in whatever way that looks like. So thank you so much for joining us today. As Roy said this week, just ask that question. You know, Jesus, what can you do for me? Pretend like he's asking you that. What can I do for you? And let us know what that answer is next week. May the peace of God be with you. We'll see you next week, everyone. Thank you.